Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Loud and Local continues on The Rock with Kevin Deers, 99.9 KISW. Hey, what's going on today? My guest is Brian Cook from so many different bands, but he's uh, recently just uh, start, started a, a new side project called Torment and Glory, also with Russian Circles, uh, going to be doing a reunion for These Arms Are Snakes, Sumac, X Botch, Roy. What other bands, man? There's got to be at least two others. Uh, I mean, that people know of or that I want to talk about, probably. <laughs> okay, that's that's about it then. Okay. A lot of fill-in work. You know, I've, I've done some uh, some traveling around and filling in with, uh, with Mammifer. And mm-hmm. I played bass on one album by Mouth of the Architect. Uh, yeah, but that was those are just like part-time like yeah. help, helping friends out kind of deals not not things that i was creatively involved with the axe for hire kind of thing yeah so uh just announced today russian circles will be opening for system of a down and faith no more on a short tour congratulations yeah weird <laughs> would it be safe to say russian circles is the first arena post rock band I, I I mean, who knows? I don't know. Super, super weird. I don't know how it happened, but um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to do it. I've never played an arena before, and I have no idea how any of that stuff works. So I, I feel like uh, like I'm 18 and playing my first club show again. Yeah. How does it How does it work? Like, what time do you show up? Like, is everyone going to be mean to me? Like, how does this work? I think catering will be pretty nice, I bet. Hopefully, yeah. We'll see. I remember um, seeing you at the uh, Paramount with Mastodon, and uh, yeah, that, that was a really cool show. So that was, I mean, a pretty big venue, but this is just way bigger. So yeah. pretty awesome. Who who knew? I, I guess I had no idea of uh, the size of, of System of a Down, but cool. <laughs> all right i'm happy to be along for the ride so uh so you just premiered uh first song from torment and glory which is uh uh from what i understand your solo project is that uh something that you wrote all the music for yourself or is it a collaboration no it was all just me mm-hmm. uh it was a bunch of songs that you know living in apartments and all that you know i've never had like a half stack or a eight ten in my apartment, you know, for jamming. So it's like if I'm at home hanging out, it's always just an acoustic guitar because that doesn't mm-hmm. aggravate the neighbors. 
And then after enough time, it's like you wind up with all these like weird little song fragments. And, you know, when COVID came around, it was like, oh, I should probably just do something. So, yeah. you know, it took 10 years worth of little song fragments and made a record. And I was going to do like a band camp only thing, maybe make some cassettes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I handed it off to my friend Ben Chisholm, who uh, plays with Chelsea Wolf, and he does mm-hmm. a lot of production work and stuff and I was just like can you help me mix this I don't really know how to mix and then he kind of just took it to another level and after he was done with it he was like I think this deserves more than like 50 cassette tapes like maybe you should actually like try to do something proper with it and so ran it by the folks at Sergeant House and they were into it so now it's coming out on vinyl and all that all that business so a proper release. You think you'll ever play this stuff live? Uh, it's not, it wasn't a part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the idea of playing it live is really stressful because there's a lot going on on those songs and I'd be yeah. recruit a bunch of people to help out with it. And I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a different, different stylistic uh, thing that I'm sort of used to doing in the live setting so uh short answer probably not okay but you know if who knows it it seems like something that people really like and that there's a opportunity to present it in a cool way then then maybe i don't know all right right on man well um the album is called we left a note with an apology it's coming out august 27th on sergeant house you can pre-order a copy now um, and uh, you're also gearing up for the reunion of the band called These Arms Are Snakes. And uh, August 27th at Numos. If you want a ticket, too bad. They're, you're going to have to scalp it or something. Uh, the show is quickly sold out. Is that right? Totally sold uh, out? The first night sold out pretty quick. Okay. It sold out in a day or two. And then we added a second show. And I think oh. there are still a few tickets left for that. But there was a low ticket warning issued from Numos. So. So it's 27th and 28th then, is that right? I think so. Okay. Well, I know the first one's a 27th, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I would assume then the 28th after that. So Yeah. Um, how long had the reunion been in talks? Like, uh, Was this something that came up during COVID, or had there been discussion about doing it even before the lockdown and whatnot? Well, it was a thing where these Arms of Snakes ended like, pretty abruptly um, and kind of unceremoniously just because – we were basically just getting like offers to do things that financially we just couldn't take on doing. And mm-hmm. we were just kind of like in a, <clears throat> in a tumultuous time in our lives. Sure. And things were kind of messy. And I was at a point where I was like, I, I can't commit to doing any more of this. And, you know, like I, I want, I want everyone to have closure, but you know, I can't like keep making records and, buying new vans to run into the ground to go on tour and all that. It was just yeah. like, it was kind of past that point. And, you know, at that point, everyone was like, well, if we're not going to like keep moving forward. Like, let's just like end it now. So instead of there being, you know, kind of like a farewell show or a farewell tour or any of that stuff, it was just kind of like one day it was just done. Mm-hmm. And I think there was always the idea that we would do like some sort of, show or shows once uh so the dust had settled and everyone was kind of like 
you know, had, everyone kind of cooled off and all that. But, you know, life got away from everyone. I moved to New York. Chris, our drummer, moved to El Paso or L.A. No, Spain. Chris moved all over the place. He he moved to- yeah. <laughs> He's hard to pin down. Sure. He went to Portugal for a while. I don't know. He was all over the place. Um, so, you know, it just kind of quickly became a thing where, you know, the idea of doing a farewell show or final show got just more and more complicated. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. When COVID came around, um, I think Numos was just kind of like looking to see if what, what they could get in terms of local bands, you know, it was kind of an interesting thing with COVID. I was sort of anticipating some of this where, you know, bands have to book out tours like months and months in advance, but no one knows when like the doors are, we're going to be open to clubs again. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, I feel like once things are up and running again, there's just going to be all these like offers just grab to grab whoever's sort of available at the time. And, and, you know, our friends at Numos were like, hey, this seems like an opportunity to see if snakes want to do something. And uh, we're like, well, yeah, none of us have shit going on because yeah. everything's on hold. So it's finally after, you know, 10 plus years, it was like, oh, yeah, let's, let's do that final show that we were always talking yeah. about, you know. But I guess it's a reunion show, even though it's really kind of just the final show that we'd always planned on doing. Fair enough. Um I, I have to ask, are you familiar and kind of aware of like the rabid cult like like fan base of these arms or snakes? Like there's like a very, very hardcore, like kind of rabid fan base of that band. No. <laughs> okay. Well now you're aware. So there is? okay. That's yeah. cool. I have, I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> like I don't I don't Google my name enough or something or Google my own bands. Yeah. And I, I try You gotta to. do vanity tweet searches. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm always like scared to like dive into internet stuff like that because like I don't need to see what people really think about me. It seems <laughs> like bad news. So yeah. Well, I think people are stoked enough to to buy tickets for the reunion and 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 or sorry, last show, final show, final yeah. shows, uh, yeah. two shows, and so it's again the 27th, 28th at Numos. Um, have you guys gotten together to to actually like learn relearn these songs or play them? Uh, have you guys gotten together? Yeah, yeah, we we rented out a space. We've met up a few times, uh, and yeah, seems to be seems to be going good. There's still nice. some work to do, but yeah, uh, you know, over the course of three practices, it went from you know that that very first song being like, "Oh man, it's, mm-hmm. it's been a while. We're all tired. <laughs> My fingers hurt." Yep. But now, uh, but now it's yeah, the, it's coming together. Nice. And, uh, it's kind of. I don't know. There's like a new, at least for me, there's like a new appreciation for some of those old songs where it's like, oh, you know, it's pretty good. We're being in our twenties and like being just total messes of human beings. Like we, we wrote some like good stuff. Yeah. It's exciting. It's fun to like revisit and be like, I know I wrote this, but I don't remember writing this. So <laughs> like how many beers deep were you, you know, during that time? So yeah, at, at any given time, probably at least, a few so yeah um okay so on the topic of reunions i have to ask how many times in the past 20 years have you been seriously approached for a botch reunion how many times has that actually been like because there's like so many big metal festivals now like psycho las vegas and like big hardcore festivals has that ever 
I'm assuming how many, that's why I'm asking how many times has it been uh, on the table? Yeah, it gets brought up um, a few times a year. There's, yeah. there's usually a pretty, um, I don't know, whenever festival season comes around, there's some sort of inquiry about, <laughs> you know. Like you clockwork. Do, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do the Decibel Hall of Fame thing? You know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to be asked. And it's yeah. super flattering. A lot of times it, it kind of comes up like, like people think it's the first time it's been offered. So that's mm-hmm. always kind of funny. It's like, Hey, I got this idea. Bosch yeah. could reunite. It's like, yeah, I know. Like that's, that's yeah, it's been, been a few months. So I guess it's about, we're about due for another inquiry. So, yeah. um, so it's nice to be asked. And, and there's been occasions where it's something that would be considered like, uh, like most notably with, uh, when, when Caleb from Caven passed away and there was yeah. the, uh, the benefit shows for him, uh, you know, Botch was approached about doing those, and and that was something we probably would have done if it hadn't been like right in the middle of both a Russian Circles tour and a Minus the Bear tour. So neither I or Dave could could do it, but uh, you know, something like that 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 was meaningful and sort of related to our community. You know, that that helped some appeal to us, but you know, it's it's a lot of work getting a band back together. Yeah. I think everyone assumes that it's like, uh, it's like, oh, you wrote the songs, so you must remember them. <laughs> it's like, well, I wrote those songs twenty plus years ago, and I had a lot more energy back then. And you know, it's uh, just even getting sort of the chemistry and dynamics, and just like that, that intuition that bands mm-hmm. sort of develop when they play together for a long time, and they can kind yeah. of anticipate each other's moves is like something that. You know, you don't get that from one or two practices. You have to really work at that a lot. And, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. And when you're already having like multiple active music projects that take you away from home all the time, like someone being like, Oh, like Bosch could reunite. That'd be cool. It's like, yeah, that's, would be cool. But man, that's so much work. (laughs) Yeah. Those, those weren't, you know, chugga chugga hate breed songs. Like that was, some pretty intense stuff going on in those songs. And so to, to bring all of those elements back, it would, and you wouldn't, and that's the thing is you wouldn't want to half-ass it because if this is going to be the, there's going to be people flying in, you know, it'd be crazy. But at this point, you know, at this point, every band is reunited. So it's almost like for, for stubbornness sake, you got to be the band that just doesn't like there's like minor threat and botch are the bands. No, like, nope. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's maybe part of my hangup too. Is that you know I've held people like Ian Mackay and and you know, to a certain extent Jelly Afra on such a high level, and those dudes were always so adamantly opposed to reunions that it's kind of yeah. like in my head, it's like yeah, you don't do you don't cash in and do a reunion like so you know the idea of like reuniting and doing it just to like make a quick buck just seems super gross and, and tacky, but you know it's if it was again, if it was for something that was meaningful, yeah, you know, like it felt like it was paying tribute to something, you know, that's that's a different story. So I've learned not to say never to, yeah. to, to that, but it's like the circumstances would have to be very specific, and uh, I, I honestly can't imagine what those circumstances would be at this point. Sure. In time. And man, like 
it would freak me the fuck out because it's like to put on like a bot show the way we used to put on bot shows it's like i'm 44 years old and like i don't know if my body could handle like throwing itself around on stage all night and all that stuff it's like i get i, I bruise too easily these days so i don't know Right. Brian, I got an idea, man, and this is how we're going to cash in, okay? It's going to be called Botch Fest. It's going to be Botch Headlining with every band that ever ripped off Botch blatantly oh, cool. as openers. And then it'll just it'll just be the headliners is the actual band that they everyone ripped off. It'll be Botch Fest. What do you think, dude? Oh, man. It's so Let's make great. it happen. Can't wait to compete with all the, the young bucks that actually have energy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Nice. Yeah, I'll probably pass on that one. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Just floating it out there. So, um, I, I'm I'm curious. Uh, so, as far as like going back in time, when we're talking about you know your first band and whatnot, was that your first band? Was Watch your first band? Uh, for the most part, like I, I played in bands. Like I played in a punk band uh, in Hawaii when. Oh, okay. My parents were military, so we were stationed out in Hawaii when I I first started playing music and so I had like a punk band out there but you know we never like put out records or anything like that and it was just you know 14 year olds in a garage and doing that whole thing so uh, do you remember what band or what music um really kind of in- inspired you to like pick up an instrument what was like kind of like that light bulb moment if was there an album or an artist uh, I don't know if there was anything specifically but you know I was like really into into skating and I was really into like all, the whole culture that kind of went along with that. So, yeah. you know, I was, I was reading Thrasher magazine and, yeah. you know, uh, I was always interested in music, but music always seemed like it was something that was made by people that were really talented and really attractive and, you know, everything was really polished. And, you know, about the time I got into skateboarding, I was also kind of, discovering stuff like you know like rem and the pixies and Mm -hmm. faith no more and things like that where i was like oh this is like there's like different ways of this sort of happening and then with sort of the world of skateboarding and thrasher kind of coming together and seeing you know articles on like bad religion and Mm -hmm. you know again like there's like a jello biafra interview and like 1990 or 1991 that I remember reading and it was just like, Whoa, this, this dude has like write songs about things. Like, yeah. Right. That's crazy. And, and, you know, just like, I remember there was like some line in the interview where he was like, you know, like no one cared about dead Kennedy's in 1982, but in 1990, like we sell more records than journey, you know, just because like the legacy of dead Kennedy's like, is such like a powerful thing. And, yeah. and I remember reading that and just being like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. That like these bands who don't even like put their pictures on the album covers. Like I had no idea what dead Kennedy's look like. They were just yeah. like this weird, mysterious band. And the fact that they could make this really ugly, really raw music. And it somehow like outlived its actual lifetime. And, you know, it still generated interest in, you know, 14 year old teenagers reading Thrasher magazine, you know, to me, that was like really inspiring and interesting. So on some level, the dead Kennedys are probably a big part of it. 
Um, but you know, right around that same time I saw Fugazi at the university of Hawaii and that was like my first show. And that was just, you know, like after that, it was like, okay, this is like the, the greatest thing I've ever witnessed as a, as a kid. So I need to do that. And, uh, you know, think like getting into like the whole SST catalog, you know, it was like the early nineties. So pre-internet. So I didn't know like which bands were cool and which ones weren't. I know Black Flag's cool and I know like Sonic Youth is cool and Bad Brains are cool, but you know, I latched onto Minutemen and Firehose in a big way. And I think that was so bass centric and, yeah. and bass driven and bass guided that, you know, that was like a big inspiration as well. So it's kind of like a combination of those things, I guess. I was going to mention that you were saying, you know, Firehose and, and, and Minutemen and, and Fugazi, all those bands are like the bass is not like the accompaniment to the guitar. It is it, it is very much a very bass, you know, centric band. And, and was that a, a big inspiration for you to kind of uh, pursue a uh, bass? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, like I was saying earlier, you know, for me, music always seemed like it required so much talent you know, yeah. when I was younger and like punk was sort of the first, the first thing that I realized it's like, Oh, this is all actually doable. Like, yeah. you know, you can like, anyone could do this if they just dedicate enough time to it. So, um, but the bass still seemed like the easiest thing. So I latched onto that and then, yeah. then it just kind of became a, a matter of like what bass is actually audible mm-hmm. on, on a record. And, you know, it's like you mentioned, like Joe Lally, like you can always hear a Joe Lally bass line on Fugazi. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some some Claus Fluoride bass lines throughout the Dead Kennedys catalog that really pop out. So I learned all those. And, you know, again, Minutemen, Firehose. I got really into No Means No because that was another one where it's like, like No Means No sounds like the bass player writes everything. Yeah. So I latched onto that in a big way. And, you know, I think I continued into my adult life, always having an affinity for bands where, uh, you know, every instrument's kind of doing its own thing, still working together to one, you know, composition and one vision, but like you could isolate any one instrument in the mix and be impressed by what's happening or that's, that's, that's a cool, you know, drum part or bass line. So, you know, whether that means something like unwound or, or rush, you know, it was just yeah. like, it's like, everyone's, everyone's a shredder and everyone's doing something interesting. Like that's kind of, that's still what usually lures me into a band. So, uh, before we did the interview off, off, uh, off the interview, uh, you, we were talking about uh, some some black metal and death metal bands because you're wearing an Ascendancy t-shirt. Uh, I still haven't listened to them, but you were telling me to check them out and whatnot. Um, so we're talking a lot about like the punk and the the post hardcore that you were getting into as a as a kid. When did uh, your interest in metal start to come in? That was actually is later. Like it, I feel like so many of my friends I talk to, it's like like Metallica first. Like yeah. you know, it was like Master of Puppets you know, justice, like that was like their entry point. And then like from there, it's like, you know, they maybe discover, you know, some of the harder edged punk stuff out there, but it was really like metal was the entry point. But I I was like the opposite where for me, it was like, like the pre grunge alternative music, you know, like late eighties, early nineties stuff. And then 
like from there it turned into like the punk bands and then you know I, I didn't mind slayer i didn't mind metallica like i liked uh like i liked pantera because pantera to me always had like a weird hardcore angle even if oh, it was yeah. just maybe it was just that phil ensemble had a shaved head but i was always like it's kind of like black flag you know yeah. like, the sort of self-flagellating like angry tattooed guy strutting around on stage you know but metal it wasn't really until like my interest in hardcore kind of led into things that were basically metal bands you know mm-hmm. it was like, like hearing rorschach or yeah you know things things along those lines where i was like oh like this this has now opened my mind up to you know, double kick drum and tremolo picking and all that stuff. And like super indecipherable caustic vocals. And, yeah. And, you know, then there was stuff like, uh, like chaos AD chaos AD was like one of the first metal albums. I like got super obsessed with cause it's kind of just like a chuggy mid tempo hardcore yeah, record. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like political, you know, it's like moshy, you know, heavy, like, yeah, so that's still like a, a favorite of mine, just from for nostalgia purposes. But yeah, you know, and then from there, it's kind of things opened up where it's like, oh, Morbid Angel, and oh, At the Gates, and you know, Samael, and like, you know, like I don't know, I can't even think of what the the path exactly looked like. But next thing you know, it's you know, listening to just the most abrasive caustic metal stuff out there. How did I, how did I wind up here? You know, I didn't, I didn't even think I, I wasn't that person, but now it's like 90% of what I listen to. So. Well, uh, you know, I, I was actually shown botch as if you were a metal band. I mean, I guess people could kind of consider, but my friend Josh showed it to me because he's like a metal head and he's like, dude, check this out. And so I didn't really know about hardcore. Uh, I just was like, this is a sick ass, different sounding metal band. And then I found out about kind of like Northwest hardcore music. And I mean, that band kind of, I guess, bridges the gap between both genres, kind of all a bunch of stuff. But yeah. So were you into metal? Did you get into metal around that time with, with playing with them or was it even yeah. before then? No, it was, it was like, it was that time. Cause when, you know, when we started playing, um, you know, by the time, Botch was together. I was listening to Neurosis and I yep. was listening to like Helmet and, you know, like, yep. um, but I wasn't super like immersed into it. So it was like, you know, I had friends prior to that that were super into Cannibal Corpse and DSI and all like yeah. the early 90s death metal stuff. And, but it, like, with the exception of like, again, like Sepultura, Napalm Death like stuff that felt like it had like a little bit of a punk edge, like sure. more like straight up metal stuff just didn't really do it for me. But, you know, playing in botch, uh, Dave Knudsen, the guitar player was, was definitely a metalhead. He was, he was definitely one of the metallic guys. So, you know, hanging out with him all of a sudden, you know, I was listening to morbid angel in a new light where it's like, Oh, this guy likes morbid angel. So maybe yeah. I should actually give, you know, world a chance. And Hey, <laughs> minds up. I liked world. Of- so maybe I like the whole Covenant album. I don't know, you know. And from there, it kind of like I think we we both kind of informed each other. Where cool. you know, I was I was forcing a little bit more of the hardcore stuff, and he was educating me on some of the more heavy stuff. So yeah, 
Cool. Well, um, uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, some old school stuff. So I'm curious, uh, and this is a random question. If you can think back, and even if it's embarrassing, what's your first band t-shirt you ever owned? Mine was a no doubt t-shirt from Target. So I can't, you know, claim to be some like hardcore metal, you know, elitist here. What was your first band t-shirt? I don't remember the first. Um, yeah, I remember being really disappointed going to that first Fugazi concert and being like, oh man, they don't have shirts. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like the next show I went to was Dinosaur Jr. So I definitely got a Dinosaur Jr. shirt and did okay. like the whole like wearing the Dinosaur Jr. shirt yep. at the concert and it just got destroyed in yep. the pit. So I learned my lesson where you don't like wear the shirt the second you buy it. Um, but I don't know if that, that Dinosaur Jr. one was the first one or I, I ordered like a few shirts from, again, out of Thrasher from like yeah. the Sessions catalog. So I had yep. like Primus Frizzle Fry shirt. And there's a Bad Religion shirt that I still have downstairs that's like, you know, one wash cycle away from falling apart. Nice. Um, I had a Dead Kennedys one, of course. Yeah. That, one, that one's long since been lost, but... Yeah, this is probably one of those. I don't know. Okay. Nice. Um, specifically. Um, okay, so do you remember what your first CD or vinyl or tape? What was the first actual like physical piece of music that you purchased with your own money? Oh, I remember all of them. Okay. Um, well, it's easy because my first tape and my first CD were the same. So okay. like, I bought the tape first. And then when CDs became a thing, I had to do the upgrade. Um, and that's Chicago 17. Okay. A huge soft rock ballad fan when I was like nine. So okay. I loved Chicago 16 through 18, like all those like 80s, you know, power ballad hits. I loved them. Do you still love them? Uh, you know, yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> I still, you know, maybe I don't own any of those records, but like, you know, they pop up on a playlist sure you're singing along yeah i'm not not, oh i karaoke nice um yeah you know like peter satara was wearing a bauhaus shirt in the you're the inspiration video so he has like a little bit of like okay a little cred yeah um my first lp was uh shadowy man on a shadowy planet which was a canadian surf rock band Mostly known because they did the Kids in the Hall theme song. Oh, great. Okay. I had the record with, with that on it. And uh, yeah, I still have that. That's still like probably six feet away from here at this point. Nice. Awesome, man. Um, okay. So, you know, I don't want to take up all your time today. I do appreciate you doing this interview. and and um, But I do have a couple more questions. So, um you're a Seattle music head. You've been in, you know, you know, we were talking about botch and then they, these arms are snakes and, and now you're still living in Seattle. What are, and, and this is, we're not trying to make any enemies here. So we're not trying to exclude anyone, but we all know the big four of American thrash metal, Megadeth, Slayer, Metallica, Anthrax, in your opinion, your personal big four of Seattle music. Oh, okay. Ooh. Just across the board, like yeah, not- all, all time across the board. Just your favorites. Okay, 
and they're just my favorites. I'm not having just your favorites. Yeah. even the greatest. No, just, just your favorites. Uh, yep. Okay. The Brian Cook Big Four. All right. Uh, and sorry, let's. Are we talking Seattle? It could be Northwest. 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 Including Canada. Vancouver. Vancouver. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, first off, I would say Undertow's at both ends. Yeah. Um, just and it doesn't have to be a specific album, just a band. Oh, just a band? Okay, well, yeah. Undertow. Yep. Undertow for sure. Um, just because that that was like such a huge entry point into like modern hardcore yeah. uh, for me. Like prior to discovering Undertow, it was like, you know, I liked hardcore, but it was like I didn't realize outside of like Fugazi that there was like contemporary hardcore. Like I only knew about bands that had already broken up. So it's yeah. like minor threat, black flag, gorilla biscuits, youth of today. And like Slapshot. Yep. Slapshot was probably still a band actually, but you know, in my mind, but they're were, on the other side of the, um, of, of the country. Yeah. Yeah. They were all like, you know, it was like, a, it was a phenomenon of the past. So like yeah. seeing undertow was just like, Oh, this is like, this is still happening. Like this yeah. is amazing. So, and they were just a great band. So, mm-hmm. um, hugely inspirational, a huge, huge impact on Botch. Uh, can't, can't understate their importance to us. Um, so that was an easy number one. Now it gets tough. So, yeah. um, I mean, I probably have to say no means no. Okay. They're, they're Vancouver or Victoria. Uh, not sure which one, but you know, that was such a huge part of like me embracing the bass guitar and, and yeah. learning the bass guitar. So, um, and a band that I loved when I was 14 and a band that I still listen to regularly today. So I have to go with that. Um, man, these other ones are tough because it's like, part of me wants to just like pull out like the head, the prophet and death wish kids, just because as like live entities, like those bands were like, like like no band can do anything on stage at this point that will impress me because I saw Deathwish Kids and Behead the Prophet. Like both those bands were just so unhinged and bonkers and just like, you know, 15 minute sets, but they would just destroy everything. And but like the vibe was always super positive. It yeah. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, you know, some angry like dudes like tearing a place down it was you know death wish kids it was andrea zolo like you know from pretty girls make graves yeah yeah like you know just like shrieking while the yeah. rest of the things just like swinging guitars above their heads and you know they had the prophet it was you know you had joshua who was just this flamboyant gay man you know just like screaming his head off climbing on the audience you know they had this 60 year old fiddle player who was just like making feedback and noise while the rest of the band was just doing like crazy spastic punk stuff. You know, it's like when at the drive-in blew up and everyone was getting like freaking out over it. It's like, ah, you guys, you guys didn't see behind the profit. Like, right. (laughs) They were, they were were so much crazier. Like you have no idea. Like you didn't see death wish kids. They were, they, that was crazy. So I, I, re- I never got to see Behead the Prophet, but I specifically remember reading in either The Stranger or The Rocket the the ads for like the Paradox. And it was like, I remember two band names, Behead the Prophet, No Lord Shall Live, and Tight Bros from way back when. 
man, such a great band. Oh, and see that the, just those two band names really stuck out. Tight Bros were so great, and then it's like, man, how do you not like bring Carp into the equation because yeah. Carp is such a great band. Yep. And then there's Unwound. So how do you yep. not bring Unwound into the into the mix? So. Dude, I don't know. We can I do mean, we can do six. There you go. There's your big six. Okay. <laughs> All right. Right on. Um, okay. So uh, just uh, I gotta ask, as a quote unquote journalist, is there any material by Russian circles or Sumac uh, that we can tease? Uh, like coming up. Maybe? Yeah. Um. Well, Russian circles are heading into the studio um, in September. Killer. So about a month. Nice. Um, we're going to electrical audio in Chicago uh, with Kurt Ballou and, uh, we're going to do drums and bass there. And then we're going to do guitars with Kurt Ballou at, yeah. um, so this is Kurt Ballou working at Steve Albini's. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's, that's a cool, like collaboration mashup there. Yeah. And that's, that's actually what we did on the last record on blood year. And it was kind of just like, Oh yeah, this is the way we should just always do it. That's so (laughs) cool. Yeah. You know, it's like you get like the electrical audio drum sounds, which are just kind of like perfect. You don't have to do anything except just set up the drums and put microphones in front of them and they sound great. And then uh, you have Kurt with his just like extensive guitar expertise and, you know, Kurt just kind of, gets us and what we want yeah. you know, you know, knows like the right balance between like making something sound like tight and locked in, but still sounding like it's played by human beings and, yep. like, you know, raw and kind of nasty. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're excited about that. Um, so that's blue playing with Steve Albini's toys. That's, that's like the ultimate man. That's <laughs> badass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're stoked on that. And then um, that will probably be out sometime next year. You mm-hmm. know, with the way vinyl delays are going now, it's kind of like... Who knows? Yeah, exactly. It's like... A it full be, year wait or something, right? Dude, it's so bad. I mean, I think we're already like in the queue for production, so okay, cool. it's not going to be a full year, but who knows? You know? Yeah. Um, Sumac is kind of in a holding pattern because mm-hmm. Nick's Canadian and the border COVID, you know, yeah. it's kind of made it impossible unless we want to like all fly somewhere to meet up and do stuff. So, um, so we haven't all been in the same room in like two years or something. Yeah. Um, but we do have a new, um, a new, uh, collaboration record with KG Hino. This will be like our third collaboration with him. Uh, and that I think will be out next year. Cool. Um, but I don't really know anything more about that. I know it's, it's mixed and it's mastered, but I'm not sure who's putting it in or, or when, but for people that like the, uh, the entirely improvised uh, version of Sumac, you know, well, they'll, they'll have that at some point next year. So whenever albums get pressed who knows when. i know like the deal is getting like our first full-length album is getting repressed right now nice like, supposed to be out in like six to eight months <laughs> it's just like <laughs> all right see, yeah. see when it shows up 
I remember there was a band I talked to uh, recently for Loud and Local, and I was asking them, like, so do you think you guys are actually going to have records uh, for your record release? And they're like, don't ask us. Don't ask us that question, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's so grim. It's like such a bummer, too, because it's... That's like, when I'm... CDs make the return, your favorite format. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean... It's, it's they kind of got to right because yeah. like vinyl's like so expensive and takes so long to manufacture and i i love records i mean like i i mean my whole wall is like records so oh yeah you know like nice. i'm i'm committed to, to the vinyl but it's like man it sucks to pay like 35 bucks for like a single lp and, yeah you know wait a year for a pre-order yeah dude <laughs> Seriously. Thanks, Record Store Day. I know. It's like all those Fleetwood Mac rumors, copies that have to be repressed. It's like, yep. God damn. All those records at Target got to be made somewhere. Yeah. Like, dude. Well, you know, people need their Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. So, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, man. So, uh, we're, we're looking forward to Torment and Glory, the album. Um, but my last question for you pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got that scar. Okay. Um, and show it if you can. Ooh. All right. Um, trying to decide between two. Um, well, let's see. Let's see if th- this. Let's see if this one's. You know, I'm not going to show you my belly button lamp. You don't get to see my surgery scar. All right. Okay. Um, all, right. all right. Where is it? It might not be super visible, but I have like a third eyebrow, like an oh angry my God. scar here from a, a skateboarding accident that uh, was like the least cool accident ever. It was literally like ollieing up a curb, <laughs> like hitting a crack, yeah, you know, kind of stumbling off the board. Board goes rolling off, and like, I was just like, oh, I can I'll just go run and jump on my board, you know, skate away, yeah. Like mis misjudged how fast the board was rolling away from me and like leapt and just landed on the tail and it flipped up oh. and like hit me in the head and you know like saw stars like things went fuzzy for a second and I was like oh I'm fine I'm just gonna walk home and then then it was just like raining blood down the front of my face because it was a head wound and you know it was like seven stitches later I had this gnarly angry scar but damn it was, I remember just being super bummed because I had my crisp white vision streetwear shirt. Oh no. Classic vision streetwear shirt. And yeah. it was just like blood and you know, it's like, that might be kind of cool, but then it just washes into like a gross Brown and that's not cool. So I had to like throw away this like yeah. vision streetwear shirt that I'd saved up for. And the only saving grace is that there was blood all over my skateboards. So I thought that looked cool. That was hardcore. Yeah. Was it a vision psycho stick? No, I mean, it was not. I don't actually remember what it was, but it was not a vision board. Um, but it was bloody and gross. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. It was like a, it was a biohazard for sure. But yeah, that's I like the, the cool story. thing I got. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a lot of, of injuries. I don't have any compound fractures or uh, anything like that to, to flaunt. Unfortunately. Well, you you well uh, the the fracture is in your heart because you had to throw away that vision t-shirt so 
unfortunately. But anyways, uh, so Brian, thank you so much for taking the time. Again, I got to plug it. The new album is uh, it's called We Left a Note with an Apology. And uh, you're going to be playing the, I, well, I don't even have to say, uh, you know, go order these Faith No More System of a Down tickets because it's probably going to sell out. And you're not even going to have to worry about it because those bands don't play together very often. And you guys just get to be the the cream topping. Of it. That sounds weird. The You guys get to be the little cherry on top. Yeah. And like I said, the first arena post-rock band. I, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be <laughs> 100 people there when we play, and it's going to be like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but I, I don't care. I'm excited for it, so... Like you said, like, you, you know, one of the first bands you really got into with Faith No More, you know, and stuff. So yeah, now you get to, to live that fantasy, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Kevin. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 